Well, hello, and welcome to the e-commerce evolution podcast, where we bring you the best of what's new and what's next in e-commerce. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce, and our mission with this show is to interview the top merchants, the top marketers, and the experts shaping the e-commerce industry. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and their flagship app, Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is an e-commerce sales funnel and landing page builder that seamlessly integrates into your Shopify store. Just start with one of a growing list of templates and then customize and go. These templates are created by my friend and eight-figure e-commerce store owner, Ezra Firestone. Each template is built with proven conversion elements, but also features a simple drag and drop editor. So you can truly make these pages your own, so you can customize and tweak and test and create some awesome landing pages and sales funnels. So check out all the details, sign up for the beta at zipify.com. Hey, Brett Curry here, episode five, and today we are talking about the internet retailer Hot 100 list. My guest is Zach Stamber. He's a managing editor at Internet Retailer. He oversees the creation of the Hot 100 list. It is a list of the 100 most innovative e-commerce companies. It's my favorite edition of Internet Retailer. It's one I look forward to every year. So today on the episode, we pick out our 10 favorite, and then we get crazy and throw in a bonus, number 11. So what a deal for you, 11 case studies for the price of 10. And so we'll talk to you about why we chose these companies, business model, in some cases, marketing, content, design, all kinds of good stuff. So please enjoy my interview with Zach Stambor. So we're talking today about the Hot 100 list, which is my favorite edition the internet retailer puts out. I anticipate it every year. I love going through it. Uh, it's one that we share around the office. And so uh, Zach oversees the Hot 100 list. And so Zach, talk about that a little bit. How do you compile the list? How does this all come together? I'm sure it's a massive undertaking. Yeah, it, it is, in fact. Um, so starting in August, all the editors here, which there's like 14 of us between the, the magazine staff and, and the research staff, we, we um, all put forth nominations and then we also reach out to sources um, or analysts, um, retailers themselves email us with telling us to take a look at their site and and vendors as well. And, and then we meet in groups and we just start poking around the websites, looking at their marketing, looking at all sorts of things of every, every sort of aspect of their business. And also looking at financials as much as we can and traffic and all of those sorts of things. And we just kind of hash it out and it, it's a lengthy process. Um, we break into like three or four different teams. So it's not so overwhelming um but it comes together um in september ish and then we start trying to gather um data or data as well as vendors on as many of these retailers as we can um and then we reach out to all of these retailers to talk to them and hear about what they're doing how they're doing it and why they're doing it and so, yeah, it's a lengthy process, but it's also kind of a fun process to just hear about like what retailers are doing that are that are that's different, that's innovative, and, and that's really the idea of the Hot 100 is the 100 most innovative companies within e-commerce. 
Yeah, I, I just I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it, and I enjoy how there's a great little write up and some quotes. Usually, if they're available from the the merchant, from the retailer, you get stats on traffic and revenue if they're available, and then kind of you know what makes them innovative. So it, it is a fascinating read. It's one of those things where I think one of the, the the best success principles out there is to you know find someone who's doing something really well or or kind of pushing the envelope and see what you can learn from them. And I think that applies to, to sports, to hobbies, and, and certainly to business and, and to e-commerce as well. And so uh, I want to talk about something that's kind of new. I, I believe this started with last year's edition. You guys have kind of come up with a new way of compiling the list in that you have different categories. And so you pick companies that are innovative in a particular way. Um, so you want to talk about that and kind of how that's evolved over the last several years? Yeah, it's something that... Um I think just kind of makes sense to me. And it is something that we had batted around for a while thinking like this makes, it makes more sense to look at retailers in terms of what makes them hot rather than their particular merchant category. Um, So like business model, there's a whole slew of different ways in which a retailer could be doing something cool, innovative um, that doesn't really, it doesn't matter whether you sell luggage or cameras or uh, everything under the sun like Amazon. It's interesting to look at it that way as opposed to looking at all the mass merchants and all the different and the various things that make them hot. So that so starting last year, like you said, we broke it into some categories like business model design, um, content, marketing, technology, that sort of thing, Um, which I think makes more sense. I think it also makes it more fun to read. Um, so that's why we did it that way. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Looking at, you know, hey, here, here are some great marketing ideas. Here's some people shaking up the business model side of things or content. You know, all those are interesting. Design is, is interesting as well. So great. Well, that, that's kind of the, the brief overview. Uh, you do need to go check out the, the edition if you have not already gotten your copy. And so what do you say, Zach? Let, let's dive in. Let, let's, let's pick out 10 of our favorites. These are not necessarily the top 10 these are just uh these are interesting to zach and brett so that's that's why uh why we we pick these these 10 but i think these are 10 that that all of our listeners should be paying attention to and and potentially learning from and so uh, first on our list is awaytravel.com zach talk a little bit about that why they make the list what makes them so innovative yeah so just to, to give a brief overview of who they are, because you might not know, um, they sell hard shell carry-on um, suitcases. And, and within the suitcases are um, TSA-approved locks and features like charging the docks for charging stuff. Um, and they just started. Um, they shipped their first order in February. And already, um, as of the end of last year, which is the last time we checked in with them, they were on pace to do like 10 million, 10 million in sales last year. And they're selling direct to consumer. And in a way, it's a similar approach to companies like Dollar Shave Club, Casper, Warby Parker. And in fact, um, the co-founder and CEO is uh, Stephanie Corey, who spent four years leading Warby Parker's supply chain operations. So it's really this story that we've seen in e-commerce time and again with those types of companies where they just eschew the traditional sourcing and retail methods and just like go straight to the consumer through up a website. Sometimes I, I with Away and some of these others open up a storefront um, 
where you can check out the products and they're doing so very successfully. Yeah, I'm not surprised that the that this site has been influenced by someone from Warby Parker. The design is really modern and slick and and you know, their kind of their messaging is thoughtful luggage for modern travel and beautiful pieces, simple, you know, relatively affordable in, in my opinion. And and so yeah, a really cool company and really getting to this size so quickly very impressive so awaytravel.com check it out uh next one number two this is an interesting one that that i'd heard of but really wasn't that familiar with was not a shopper with this company but it, it is an interesting one so boxed.com so get, give us the scoop on boxed zach yeah so it's a really basic idea the idea is translating the costco sam's club sort of bulk shopping business model online and in fact, they actually hired um, Sam's, Club, uh, Sam's Club veteran as its chief mer- merchandising officer last year. Um, what the target demographic is shoppers 25 to 44, so skewing younger than the traditional Costco shopper. And they are heavily mobile oriented. So like 70% of their transactions are mobile. They, in- they initially even started as just a mobile app. Um, so there's a real mobile-focused element, which you can see in the design, either on desktop or mobile, um, and throughout. It's all about simplicity. So the idea is, you know, if you just want everything under the sun, you can go to Amazon for that. Boxed, like Costco, focuses on simplicity. They offer like a thousand products or so that. So a shopper can quickly find what they need, place an order, and then, you know, just get on with your day. I can get my 10-pound jar of mayonnaise on boxed or, you know, a thousand rolls of toilet paper, whatever. Yeah, it's it's when you need to buy in bulk, and, and certainly this would come in handy for a family my size. And uh, so, yeah, it's really interesting. And I love, and, and you mentioned it, Zach, you know, they started with their mobile app first. That was the first thing they built before they had a website. They wanted to get mobile right and, and do that right first. I believe they started in 2013. Is that right? So not, not that old of a company. Right. Um, they actually won our Emerging Retailer of the Year Award last year at the Internet Retailer Excellent Awards, which are awarded at IRCE. Um, and they did so because they've just been going gangbusters. Um we estimate they sold like 45 million um, ish um, in 2015. That was up from uh, like 22.5 million in 2014. I I should have pulled up the traffic um, it, for uh, last year. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, I mean, still growing very strong. I expect like strong sales again um, when we do our estimates for 2016. Yeah, so check it out, box.com. Check out how they're merchandising, how they're featuring products, some of their offers. Even even their new offer for new shoppers is a good one. Check it out. Pay attention to what Boxed is doing. So number three on the list, crutchfield.com. Secretly, when I was a young teenager, I looked at the Crutchfield magazine, my neighbor and I did, and we dreamed of the powerful stereo system we would put in our cars when we turned 16, um, turns out then when, when I turned 16 and I was bagging groceries and playing basketball, I, I had no money, so I did not revisit the Crutchfield uh, magazine. But uh, very successful retailer, gone from a 
more of a catalog-based approach now online. So talk about Crutchfield, why they make the list, Zach. Yeah, it's interesting um, to go from those like startup-type retailers to Crutchfield, which, like you said, is an older company. Um, it was founded in, a, in the 70s, in, I think, 1974. And the way in which they've successfully net shifted to the web is by maintaining their very strong focus on customer service. So like smack dab in the center of the homepage, you see in bold letters, our secret is our people. At the top of the homepage, you see they offer free lifetime tech support. There's a large contact us icon in the right-hand corner of, of the website, um, spotlights of its advisors. You can help with product selection and questions about halfway down the website. Like just, it's all over. <laughs> there's no, you, there's nowhere you can look on this site where you don't get that customer service, um, real, we're real people, we can help you element. It's just, it's just everywhere on the site. You look at category pages, there's a need help box where you can email, call, or chat. Product pages feature an ask the expert section in that where you can also call, email, or chat. So they just, there are a lot of sites out there that offer good customer service, but Crutchfield in a category where things are complicated. It's complicated to, um, to shop for electronics. There's a lot of products that all look the same and you don't really know why one's $100 more than the next one. It can be helpful to have somebody with actual expertise helping you. And so that's what they offer and they make it clear that that's their value add. Yeah, one of the big hurdles to, to getting that that awesome system in your in your sweet ride is, you know, how do I set it up? It's complex. How do I pick the right system? How do I install and configure and get it all set up properly. And so it's not just that they, you know, wanted to provide good service. I think they see it as this, this is what's needed and this is how we differentiate and this is how we uh, separate ourselves. And, and so what's cool there, you mentioned the advisor spotlight. If you click on those advisor spotlights, you know, it's got picture of the advisor, a video of the advisor talking about, you know, why they do what they do and what their hobbies are and what kind of music they like and stuff like that. It's almost like a Facebook profile picture, you know, for their, for their advisors and, you know, confirmation emails have the phone number included and Hey, here's who you can talk to if you have questions. And so it's just really powerful. Like you, you feel like you're shopping with someone, you get the ease of shopping online, but then the convenience of, I can call, I can chat, I can, I can email an actual person. I can talk to, you know, Andy, who's my advisor spotlight. And the guy is passionate about, speakers and making my car sound awesome and, and I know I can just I can reach out to him whenever I want so very cool crutchfield.com check it out uh, number four number four on the list Zach we've got crown and caliber so give us the scoop on crown and caliber yeah this is one of my favorite ones so four years ago crown and caliber was a wholesaler they bought used watches and they they sold them to other businesses and dealers for resale then about two years ago they decided there's a void out there. We can sell direct to consumers and fill this void by being a different kind of middleman and just, you know, selling directly to consumers. And now virtually their entire business is direct to consumer. And um, what they do is you set, you, 
if you have a high-end watch, you can send it to them. They will offer, they will evaluate it, offer a, what they think it is worth. You negotiate with them, settle on a price point, and then Crown and Caliber lists it for sales. And this shift from wholesaler to direct to consumer has worked very well. They doubled their visits in the 18 month span between May 2015 and 2016. Um, and the way that they've done it is by being very deliberate in finding ways to build trust with their prospective customers and, and customer base by not being hard on the sale, but just conveying information that, that is useful to shoppers with their blog and videos and highlighting the reviews that they received. So they're very thoughtful in how they've made this pivot and it, it seems to be working for them. Yeah, and it makes sense that they would do this for watches. You know, I've got a, a good friend of mine and a client uh, here locally owns a, a jewelry store, and he, you know, wears a, a pre-owned Rolex. And so there, are, there are watches, you know, so high-end watches that it would make sense to buy one pre-owned. You know, that was well taken care of, and and so providing the service of we'll sell your watch, we'll buy your watch. You know, we offer used watches, great fit. And it is educational. It is a big purchase. So you know, the way they've invested in their product detail pages and, and the way they've added content really makes sense because you know, it, it is a bigger purchase. And so people will, will be thoughtful in their considerations of that purchase. So Crown and Caliber, check it out. Really cool one. Number five, th this one's interesting. We, we, we almost picked this one more to highlight uh, a trend um, but purple carrot, so meal delivery, purple carrot, uh, give us the lowdown on, on purple carrot. Yeah, there's actually a few trends in here. So the, the, I, I think it's a really interesting one. So they are a meal delivery um, retailer, and this space is very crowded. It has a market valuation of like $1.5 These companies have raised like more than $650 million in venture funding across the board. And so it's getting harder to stand out in this meal kit space. Um, and uh, but Purple Carrot is doing so by offering a vegan specific menu and a just beautiful website um, with just vibrant, stunning images. And when I said there's actually a few trends here because they also um, made a play to move into physical stores. They are doing a pilot with Whole Foods where they're sell where Whole Foods is selling prepackaged meal kits. So, you know, that's one trend that we've just seen time and again with online retailers finding different ways to bridge the online offline divide. And here's one um, that a meal kit retailer is doing. Yeah. And I really like that they've carved out this, this niche. And so I think there's a lot of areas online with e-commerce where, you would really struggle just to be another me too, but they carved out their little area being vegan and then also that unique distribution model with Whole Foods. So Purple Carrot, I think it's interesting capitalizing on that meal delivery trend, but going at a, a subset of that market, which, which was really smart. So the next one is a super fun one. This, this is one that I had not heard of at all prior to, to reading your work here 
Zach. And so foot cardigan. Uh, and and I, I do want to just share this really quick because I'm on the foot cardigan website right now. Uh, they've got a great uh, little uh, kind of welcome mat or <clears throat> entry page. It says, want a free month of socks on us? And then the options are uh, make my feet awesome. Or, yes, make my feet awesome. Or no, I don't like free stuff, which I always appreciate uh, good fun messaging like that makes you think twice before clicking that no button. If you click yes, then of course you gotta give them your info. But really, really creative way of doing things. But why, why did you pick Foot Cardigan? Why do you like them, Zach? Yeah, so there are actually a lot more online retailers selling socks or so focusing weird. on socks than you than you might realize. Yeah, I, um, covering e-commerce, you, you stumble upon these things. Um, where you just had no idea that there's so many different people earning a living um, <laughs> with these particular niches. So socks is one of those. But like like you said, they have a very distinct, irreverent tone. And I think I wrote in the profile um, that there's like a fine line between amusing and tired shtick. And I, I think that's very true but um they walk it really well they're they're snarky and they're fun um and it, it just it it doesn't seem like they're putting forth a lot of effort to do that in a good way um so they actually they came on our radar couple of years ago they were on shark tank actually and they raised two hundred fifty thousand dollars on shark tank and that just exploded their business in a week they doubled their subscriber base to fifteen thousand people um from seven thousand because they don't just sell socks you can also buy sock subscriptions so they're part of that trend um now they're up to like forty-five thousand subscribers and these subscribers on average um subscribe for about seven months and they've grown their revenue threefold every year for the past four years so it's it seems to be working out rather well for them that's remarkable. Just, just totally remarkable. And you're right. The look of the site, it is fun. It's playful. You want to interact with it. But also the product is the star, right? As you look at it, you can see the socks. You kind of want the socks. But it's fun and playful. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. They're not trying too hard. You know, just, just kind of, you can tell this is them. This is their personality. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, I'm right. And when you talk to them, it comes across like this is, this is who they are, like you said. Yep. So sock subscriptions. Who would have thought of that? Uh, I, I do. I find myself always having to ask for socks for Christmas. So maybe I just need to do this and and save my my family the trouble of uh, of buying me socks. So well, it, yeah, it is one of those things that like you, at least for me, I I don't want to buy socks. I I don't want to go to a store and buy socks. So yeah, like it it's a subscription that like kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's and and that, that's interesting. The average length of time is seven months that someone would be on the uh, the recurring model. So that that's interesting, very interesting. So foot cardigan, check it out. Really, really interesting one. The next one, our number seven on the list. This is going to be controversial. People will disagree with this. They will write in and say, "How could you? This is not." Uh, an innovative company, and of course I'm kidding. Uh, and this is, is not going to be surprising at all. But 
we've got to mention Amazon, right? We, ha- we have to mention Amazon.com. They continue to be innovative. And the fact that you can legitimately put them on this list, not just because they're huge, but because they're innovative. And they are still pushing and innovating like crazy, even more now than, than ever before. So, so, Zach, from your perspective, why does Amazon belong on this list? Yeah, I mean, we could do an entire podcast or perhaps several (laughs) podcasts on Amazon and all of the innovative services and products that it like rolls out every year, every month, perhaps it could be a recurring podcast, but we have them um, on this list. Um, There are a few things that really stand out to me last year with Amazon and chief among them, among them is that after a whole lot of years of reporting little to no profit, suddenly Amazon is posting record gains quarter after quarter. And at the same time, its expenses are growing faster. And that's enabling it to just rapidly innovate and swallow up more of the e-commerce market. So last year, Amazon accounted for like 43% of the U.S. Um, online retail just market. Just insane. Just crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Um, but to, to focus on a few of those innovations that are, I think are rather interesting and perhaps how it's getting, it's, it continues to grow its market share is, um, it expanded its prime now urban delivery service where you get super fast delivery on like a whole slew of things that you, you actually might need, um, today and not in a couple days, um, it doubled the reach of its e-grocery service, Amazon Fresh. It rolled out um, its Amazon bookstores. It posted its biggest sales day ever with its self-made shopping holiday, Prime Day. And then perhaps most interestingly is this Amazon Go effort, its checkout free store, where it's trying to figure out if it can reinvent the convenience store. We haven't really, well, it, it remains to be seen how it plays out, but it's it's really interesting to see how they attempt to reinvent physical retail and tie it to the online universe as well. Yeah, whether, whether the Amazon Go store really takes off in its current form or not, it remains to be seen, but I love what Amazon's doing. I, I like the Amazon Go store concept. And, and what I may be most impressed about, and this is probably just because I'm a marketing guy, and so you know I, I'm always looking at, at good marketing ideas and impressed when someone executes something really well. You know, the, the profits are awesome. So record profits this year, 26 new fulfillment centers, all that's awesome. But, you know, for years, I mean, you talk to retailers and they would say, man, if we could just create like another holiday, you know, if we could, if we could duplicate Christmas and Hanukkah and, you know, kind of the big Q4 holidays, if we just duplicate that, that'd be awesome. And and that's what Amazon has done. You know, they've, they've created Prime Day, which happens in the summertime and just huge, staggeringly huge sales that they generated, you know, and they basically just made up a promotion. Prime Day, it is a good offer. There are awesome deals on that day. And and boom, now you've got a second holiday season, second Christmas, basically. Yeah, and what's really interesting, um, just to to piggyback on that for a second, is like it also um, is tied to Prime. And Prime is just the stickiest thing under the sun. Like, once somebody signs up for Prime, 
then they are more likely to continue shopping at Amazon. And so, you know, it's just this endless cycle that they have just been really, really smart about getting people into their ecosystem and then like closing the doors, <laughs> making it really hard to to consider going anywhere else because like when you get free shipping and you you're able to watch the shows and you know have all these other benefits prime day included um then it does make you question like why why should i i go anywhere else and we we see that with the data too where like in product searches like 55 percent of product searches start on amazon now, yeah. which is just yeah. crazy and it, it, it's forcing everyone else to have to adjust to that yeah, it absolutely is. And you're right about uh, Prime being sticky. You know, I've read some statistics that once someone becomes a Prime member, their spending on, on Amazon goes up by as much as 10x. Uh, that, that may be a stretch, but I, I know. Yeah, in, in, I, the, the figures that I, I have, um, I don't have them in front of me, but I, I'm pretty sure it's like $1,200 a year versus $600 a okay, year. Okay, so double. Yeah. I, know, I know when we became Prime members, our spending went kind of through the roof on uh with amazon but but you're right so they've, they've made they've created this holiday it's a huge sales day and it gets people into prime which increases consumption throughout the rest of the year so it's just just brilliant so amazon they have to make the list love them or hate them you have to pay attention to them uh speaking of of prime though you know walmart.com is making a play and trying to compete a little bit with prime by offering kind of free two-day shipping and some other things without any, you know, membership like Prime. So it, it'll be interesting to see how those two continue to duke it out uh, in, the, in the coming years. But uh, Amazon, got to make the list. So number eight, we've got uh, KidBox. And so, Zach, you've got kids. I've got a whole slew of kids. Uh, so other than us being just inclined to maybe kid brands, uh, why did KidBox make the list? Yeah, this is just uh, this is one of these business model ones where it's just an interesting idea how it how it plays out. We'll see because they're a startup. Um, but so basically, what they're doing is taking a trunk club like approach to children's apparel, and so they ask shoppers to fill out a style quiz where you they try and figure out your your children's style preferences and um, and then they ship you a box containing like six or seven items tailored to what they think your kid might like. Um, and if you keep everything in the box, it's like $98 or you can send some stuff back. It's the same idea as the Trump Club. Um, so there are a couple things that got our attention, even though the broader idea of a Trump Club-like business at a time when Trump Club seems to be struggling is, you know, not so interesting, but there. This got our attention because, like, they paid attention to some interesting details. Like, for instance, um, the box itself is designed for kids to color with and play with. Which, like, I know, like, my kids play with literally any box that arrives at our house. Yes, um, yes. it's usually the favorite the, part of the gift is the box. Yes, definitely. And so, like, and, and my kids like really enjoy coloring. On boxes. I don't know if that's just my kids, um, and like making them into to spaceships and whatnot. Yeah. And so, like having a box that's like literally designed for that, I think is just brilliant. I, I I think it's just such a good idea. They also made a really interesting hire. They hired Mickey Berardelli as its CEO, who she was 
prior to this gig, um, president of digital commerce at Chico's. Um, she's also held pretty high profile role, roles at uh, Tory Burch and Ralph Lauren. So, you know, they're serious. They, um, they're, they're making a real play for this space, this like higher end kids brand space. Yeah, I, I like what they're doing. You know, their side experiences sharp. I love the thoughtfulness of the the box you can color in. And yeah, I'm always amazed. You know, we, we get a lot of big boxes delivered because we we have a lot of things on re- reorder from Amazon and whatnot. And and our kids do they 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 turn them into spaceships. Or the other day I saw they uh, rolled out the paper that was inside to make it look like a red carpet leading up to the box. I don't know what all they were doing, but. Uh, but just just fascinating. So I like how creative they're being, and and you're right, they're making a strong effort in this space. And so I think I think Kid Box is is one to watch for sure. So next one, this is another one that I have not heard of, and I'm guessing most listeners will not uh, have heard of this company either. Uh, but number nine on the list is Herschel Supply. So Zach, what impresses you about Herschel Supply? Oh, it's it's funny that you say. Um that you, you hadn't heard of them because like I'm, I'm in Chicago and literally I see their bags and backpacks everywhere I look. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah, very, I'm really not very hipster. Different. So maybe that's, maybe that's. Yeah. Issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I, so like I said, I, to me, these bags are ubiquitous. They're literally everywhere and everyone seems to have them at least like in this uh, bubble in which I live. Um, so, um, they were, were only founded in 2009 and, but they're like one of these brands kind of like when, uh, Abercrombie came back in the nineties where, um, their bags look kind of lived in and they have a real target, um, like 18 to 35 year olds who like to, to travel. And the way that they've built their brand is entirely through storytelling storytelling has just been key to their brand positioning you um you look at their blog and it just features these stunning images that accompany travel logs um around the globe on instagram they have this really remarkable mix of stunning travel and product images and it's attracted like nearly a million followers i think um, and so they just have had this like very strong focus on content and, and specifically images to tell the story of their brand. And they've done it like really effectively. Over a million followers. That's awesome. I, I, I stand corrected. There are a lot of people that have heard of her. I may supply. have overstated it. I, I think it's like 800 or 900,000. Still a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a lot, and and they have done an amazing job though of of good travel photography and this beautiful blog. I mean, a blog you want to spend time with, and engage with. And so, uh, yeah, my apologies to the Herschel folks and all, all my cool, <laughs> a, all the hipster friends out there. Uh, but this is one to check out for sure. For the record, it's eight hundred eighty-four thousand. Eight hundred eighty-four thousand. That is solid. That's a few more than I have, for sure. Right. So. Uh, so Herschel Supply, check it out. If you're, if you're looking for ideas on how do we make our blog more interesting, you know, you may not take the exact angle that Herschel Supply has, but it's beautiful, makes you want to shop, makes you want to, to get the product and, and be cool uh, like them. So Herschel Supply, check it out. Next one, this is uh, certainly a company that everybody's heard of and maybe some people are even tired of hearing about, not as tired as, 
as Amazon for sure. But uh, Nike.com, I was, I, I have not shopped Nike.com recently myself, but as I was reading the write-up about Nike, I was floored uh, by what they're doing. So, so give us the, the lowdown on Nike. Yeah, so Nike has not been shy about its goal of becoming a $7 billion e-commerce player by 2020. Um, and it's, it's well on its way. Um, it posted like 51% online sales growth, um, in its fiscal year last year, last year, which it's, which is staggering for a company your size, staggering. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, 7 billion is a lot, um, and requires them to grow at like a 40 plus percent growth rate, but they're actually doing it. Um, they've tripled their online sales since 2012 and they've done it like through a a lot of different ways. Um, so they have like a much touted mobile app. They've expanded online into new markets. So this isn't just us online sales, I should say. Right. And they've really sought to find like omni-channel gone full throat into omni-channel initiatives that seek to connect in-store and online shopping. And then China is also like a big, big growth area for Nike's e-commerce business. Um, I think they've had like 10 consecutive quarters of double-digit growth, um, including several with triple-digit growth. Um, on Singles Day, they had they like tripled their previous year's Singles Day sales wow. and were one of the best-selling U.S. brands that day. Um, so they've just been very aggressive in trying to figure out ways to build on a, a well-established brand and like get the sales themselves because a lot of people sell Nike stuff. I mean, less now that Sports Authority is no longer in business, you know, that's one retailer gone, but there's still Nike is not exclusive to Nike.com, but they're finding ways to get people to come to Nike.com or the Nike app rather than going elsewhere. Yeah, the Nike app is pretty phenomenal, you know, and they've done some other creative things to kind of build a community, you know, access to Nike group workouts and personalized product recommendations and 30-day product trials, which is kind of interesting especially for for shoes, you know, if someone tries a pair of shoes for 30 days and returns it, you know, those, those shoes are not able to be sold again, but they're definitely doing some some interesting things and and uh, yeah, I, the the fifty one percent year over year growth just blew me away for someone the size of Nike. And and one thing I want to mention, I, I'm I uh, obviously I host a podcast, but I'm I love listening to podcasts. Also love <coughs> listening to audiobooks. And just finished Shoe Dog. Have you heard of Shoe Dog, Zach? No, I don't know that. Got to check it out. So it's it's written by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike. Mm-hmm. And and the the majority of the book takes place in the sixties, seventies, eighties, more about the founding of Nike, but just a it's just a fascinating read. Phil Knight's a, a wonderful writer, storyteller. And you know, just like with most companies, you know, near death experiences, the company almost collapses a few times, just lots of drama, lots of intrigue. It, it's fantastic. And also loaded with, with lessons for entrepreneurs and business oh, people. That's like good. It. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Shoe Dog, highly recommend it. Check it out. So that, that concludes our 10, but we wanted to throw out a bonus for everybody. And we also partially made this a bonus because it's, it's another sock company. And it felt weird to have two sock companies in, in our top 10 list. 
but BlackSox.com, this one's really fascinating to me, but why did Black Sox make the list? Yeah, so like I said, like there's there are more sock retailers that sell online than you would think. Um, but so they made the list because one thing that we often focus on at Internet Retailer, and I do in particular, is digital marketing. Um, it's it's even in my title. My title is editor of digital marketing, and I oversee our digital marketing coverage. But it's it's important to note that like marketing is not wholly online. There's also, of course, offline marketing, and like Black Sox has done offline marketing in a really interesting way. What they did is they enlisted their managing partner's um, 16-year-old son and some of his friends and had him parade around Manhattan wearing suit jackets, black socks, boxers. They also sell boxers and a few other things, and dress socks. And then they passed out free pairs of socks, uh, cards for free pairs of socks. And they actually got like 2% of recipients um, to redeem the cards. And that helped them increase their revenue um, 15% year over year. So, you know, it's a stunt, of course, but it's like a really creative stunt and it, it seemed to have worked. Yeah, and it was very targeted. I mean, you're you're in the, the subway se- system in Manhattan, lots of business travelers. They were there during rush hours for business people. So that was smart. Lots of exposure. I like that they didn't just give away the socks. You know, you could you could also consider that. We're here, take the product and try it. But they gave away a card for free socks. So now you got to go to the site and register and interact and, and become part of uh, that experience just a little bit. But you know, I, I think sometimes merchants get too focused. You know, I'm too focused on my AdWords account and are on my social media account. And obviously, I'm a huge believer in, in both of those. That's what we do uh, with our agency. But looking at, yeah, how can I grow offline? How can I engage with people face-to-face and get in the right spaces where people can see and touch and feel and experience my brand? Maybe it's people you know, just wearing boxers and socks and sports coats you know, to really catch attention. And so it, it, it was a publicity stunt. I think it was very well thought out and well executed and so yeah blacksocks.com got to check it out so man that was, that was a lot of fun zach that was good we got we got to do this yeah. again so i'm looking forward to next year already when we when we do this another time but uh, zach how can folks pick up their copy of the 2017 hot 100 list and then how can they connect with you as well yeah so um they can order it online um on internetretailer.com um, and then you can reach me on Twitter at Zach Stambor, I-R, Z-A-K-S-T-A-M-B-O-R, I-R. Um, or you can always shoot me an email, Z-A-K at uh, verticalwebmedia.com. Fantastic. Zach, this was amazing. Really good stuff. Keep up the good work. I am looking forward to next year's uh, edition. Also looking forward to connecting with you at IRCE. You guys always do a great job there, and I'll be speaking this year. Looking forward to that. And so until next time, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of or less of. And with that, thank you, Zach. Thank you, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. 
If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.